my whole life, I sacrificed and dedicated everything to wanting to be on Broadway. I took countless acting, singing, dancing classes all throughout elementary school, middle school, and high school. I auditioned for 17 colleges, chose Syracuse University for musical theater for straight acting for drama. It's in the top 10 internationally ranked. love figuring out people, standing things. The only way that I was able to step outside of myself in art was to be challenged and to be really uncomfortable. I was working when I was facing real issues within myself that I didn't want to think about or talk about, really questioning my core values, who I was and what I believed in, like, was it actually real? I'm a firm believer that the most growth happens when you're uncomfortable failing in pain, unhappy, because your intuition will take over. I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. How am I going to overcome this? And I'm just saying, like, that's one of the best ways to make art. That was Christy Soder, I'm Andrew Connect, and this is the Unpretentious Podcast. Picture how hard it is just to tell others about how your day went, to make the events interesting, to be understood, and to represent what happened accurately. Now what if you were to tell the whole life story of someone else who may be completely different from you? This is something Christy has a passion for. And here is how she got started. I started acting because um, my parents encouraged me to audition for a show when I was nine um, because I was a very dramatic child <laughs> and I was used to dress up in a bunch of costumes and put on dance shoes and make them sit and watch me on the fireplace um, from ages like two to four. And then they got notice of a English-speaking tour coming through I used to live in Switzerland when I was younger. I lived in Switzerland for four years. So I actually started when I was overseas when I was younger. And they were looking for English-speaking children for the show of Oliver. And they were like, Christy, you need to um, you need to go audition. And I was really shy, and I didn't want to. But they encouraged me. And ever since then, I kind of got the bug, the, the theater bug, the acting bug. And my whole life, I sacrificed and dedicated everything to wanting to be on Broadway, wanting to be in musical theater. I took countless acting, singing, dancing classes all throughout elementary school, middle school, and high school. And then I auditioned for 17 colleges hmm. to get into musical theater performance program and I got accepted to a couple that chose Syracuse University for musical theater and they have a really really good program especially for straight acting for drama it's in the top 10 internationally ranked which I was really stoked about and so I went there for four years and when I graduated realized that I didn't really want to do the music and dance as much as I really wanted to focus on acting and kind of have been working a little more in film and tv and commercial and print modeling ever since so help me understand a little about that background. You say your parents encouraged you in this and you were living overseas at the time. Like That sounds like a very creative, artistic upbringing. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I honestly just, when I was younger, I just loved it. Like I, My parents would take me to see shows because I would just light up and I loved Disney World and I loved costumes. I remember my mom told me a story of when I was really little, 
I got sent to my room because I got in trouble because I would not take off my Minnie Mouse costume from Disneyland, and I had been wearing it for two days, and I wouldn't take it off, and I refused, and so I got sent to my room, and I was in trouble, and it was just, like, things like that. <laughs> like, I was dramatic, and I loved dressing up, and I loved stories, and I I loved, like, the movie scene and Annie when they're like, let's go to the movies, and I just, yeah, I always kind of loved that growing up. I got put in dance and gymnastics a ton, so I was always really active and performative, and then when the time came when we were living in Switzerland, there wasn't a lot of opportunity elsewhere so when like the opportunity did arise it was less competitive so it's kind of a really cool like breaking off point for me as an English-speaking child to get to perform I was obviously like really bad but (laughs) I loved it so (laughs) I just kept running with it it wasn't necessarily that your parents were these artists or musicians or in the creative field it's more they saw that you had this innate love and passion for acting and they were supportive of it yeah, I mean, both my parents are statisticians. They both have their master's degree in statistics and clinical research. So my mom is actually a very creative person, but my dad is not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're very analytical and kind of logical. But they were both pre-Olympic athletes, and my mom had a gymnastics scholarship D one throughout college, and my dad crashed in pre-Olympic trials, and my mom broke both of her collarbones on the beam. And kind of that ended very quickly. So they kind of both had their careers taken away from them at a really young age. And so kind of support, decided to support me in whatever I was meant to do, what my dream was, because they never really got to fulfill theirs. I see. Yeah, that's must have been a fascinating upbringing. So come from this kind of almost eclectic background of their statisticians, but they had these Olympic dreams and they're kind of supporting you. You went to Syracuse Musical Theater. What did you learn there? Wow, I learned so much. I mean, I took upwards of 21 credits a semester on top of performing like four to five hours a night after classes on top of 10 hours on the weekends. So it was constant immersion in the creative world. I learned a lot of different styles of acting. I learned how to people read and how to analyze characters and how to look at humanity and tell stories of people who don't really get their stories told a lot and how to do that with diligence and not in like a campy, insincere way. Do you think those are teachable skills? Because a lot of times that feels like a very intuitive feel-it-out process. I think you have to have like a level of of empathy and deep capacity to feel and to understand to be able to even put yourself in a position to work on those skills because it ultimately comes from a place of knowing yourself and knowing how you operate and how you work to be able to bring that to another character to bring that to life Mm -hmm. Um, so there is like a level of intuition but there also are you know technical ways and technical skills to Mm bring that out with words and picking certain moments and emphasizing certain certain actions of a script. To highlight the certain features, yeah. So like for you to truly just present a character accurately, you have to have some personal connection to make it feel authentic to you. 
and otherwise you know, there may be a process you can go through to fake it but you don't really feel like that's truly doing them justice it really depends on what works for whatever actor personally mm. I'm, I'm in very much an empath so I need a personal connection like I need some kind of common ground but because I'm an empath it's really easy for me to find common ground because I have a deep feeling for everyone mm -hmm. um, so it's really just about finding yourself in someone else being able to understand where they're coming from who they are and do you feel that's true of the art community in general that this is representative I mean, the word this question is coming from, if you look at the Golden Globes, that's like one of the, I'm not in the art world, that would be like one frame of reference I would have for the art community that's, you know, very broadly distributed. And like being empathic or being in touch with it, it feels very much like it's also about having a cause and standing for a certain thing. So how does, how do you kind of relate that or what's your perspective, I guess, on the art community in general? I think in the art community, I think people who, you know, kind of have a cause and stand for it, I don't think it's uncommon because I think most artists have a deep capacity and have like a need and a want to understand people and to empathize and to share. So I think it would go hand in hand that artists would want to stand up for a cause that they're passionate about because mm -hmm. um, it's kind of what they do through art every day is sharing stories. I also am a personal believer that as an artist, you kind of have a responsibility at a certain level to share some of what you're passionate about or to shed light on a situation that you think doesn't get enough attention or to, to help other people who are struggling with something that isn't getting media attention or isn't getting the recognition that it needs because mm. I think if you're just being an artist just to create for yourself or just to make money or just to have fame or just to like make stuff that doesn't really contribute to anything mm -hmm. then I think that is not necessarily irresponsible but it's not the way that I like to perceive art I guess that's not why I'm an artist so in the economy of the art world the stories worth telling are the stories not known or the stories more likely to be misunderstood is that kind of what you're saying by responsibility yeah I think that's a good summary right so it's like striking this balance between looking for these stories to tell that no one's heard of as well as keeping in mind that to run a society or to keep things functioning like you know what business is good at doing well business is very good at doing the same predictable everyone knows this is how it runs so that's why it has more value is actually flipped on the end where in the art world the more unknown or the extreme or the harder to understand that actually has more value where in business it maybe it's like well everyone knows this works so we're going to do it Right. It's it's a hard, it's a double-edged sword with art because, you know, it is a business. <laughs> so True. at the end of the day, money matters. And it costs a lot of money to create productions and to make films and to, you know, create budgets for modeling campaigns and hmm. to make art, for the most part, it's expensive. So it, it is interesting that you bring that up because it is, it is very much, how do you do both? 
and how do they kind of go hand in hand together when you get to, you know, a bigger level and like money is the money is the issue. Right. And that's probably an artistic community. Is that like a discussion point where it's like, oh, you've sold out or you're doing this for money or do you kind of find a balance like this one is to pay the bills and this one is because I believe in it? Is that kind of like a huge thing in your world? Yeah, it depends, honestly, on what level you're on, because, I mean, most artists, 0.1% of most artists are successful, mm. famous artists who work job to job to job and don't have to work other jobs or don't have to have other means of income, because art is very up and down, you know, like one day you have the best job in the world and the next day you're unemployed and you never know when you're going to book another job. You know, it's not like a ladder career. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of difficult in that sense. Some It is hard, though. Some people operate on like a more moral level of I can't work on a project that doesn't speak to, you know, my moral code of what I think is deemable to work on or what matters to me or that I think is responsible to share. At least for me, I presume a lot of people get the whole business scene where it's like it's a stable nine to five job, you're getting a paycheck every week. That's pretty, it seems pretty clear cut. It's like ideally you're going to find something that's suited to your passions and provides, you know, something of use to humanity. But in the art world, it's, it's not that way. So why, why go through all this extra work, this hustle, this grind? this not being sure what kind of drives all that for you yeah I mean that is the question right mm-hmm. <laughs> that I've actually had to do a lot of self-reflection um, at times in my life with that exact question you know it does get really difficult having to hold your own as an artist um, especially if you're working multiple jobs as well you know you're already working 30 to 40 hours a week on top of that trying to audition trying to maintain your portfolio and trying to get jobs so it does get very exhausting and it really comes down to the point of why am I doing this you know and Mm -hmm. there's so many times I've wanted to quit go a more stable route and be like I I'm smart you know I, I got really good grades growing up and I got good grades in school and I have a lot to offer on different levels of my life but it just comes down to the real reason that I make art or that whoever you know is contemplating makes art and for me I was like is it for fame is it for it's obviously not for money (laughs) Uh, but you know is it for attention is it for validation or whatever but I kind of decided after a bunch of these talks with myself over the course of many many years that I think it's such a gift to be an artist because I believe that the reason that I'm an artist is to help other people and I think art is the only unifying thing we all have left in humanity where we can come together and watch the same thing and have a discussion about it whether you're from different cultural backgrounds or from different races or from different religious or political backgrounds I feel like art is pretty uniform from a sense of humanity Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's what I really love about it I love that I could step into someone I didn't know and bring light and shed light on their story and share that with a bunch of people who don't know this person or where they come from either and kind of open their eyes 
to a different way of life or a different perception of humanity. And so I decided I wanted to be an artist because I wanted to make a difference and I wanted to have a platform to speak about earth conservation and animal rights and being kind to one another and things that I, I care about. And I think art is a really good way to express those things for me. Yeah, and let's kind of dive into that, like you're saying, the different characters or different people's motivations. Like one of the things you mentioned is that you view this as a the primary way to help people. Like this yeah. is, it, it seems like your personality type is very much, you know, results driven, like you're probably constantly busy, you love peace, you hate conflict, you really value this understanding and empathy, you probably dislike, yeah, yeah dislike labels, you don't like hearing there's such a thing as a limit. Mm-hmm. That very much feels like that's the you know that's the kind of the that's kind of the vibe that the art community or artists or independent people they relate to all that. Yeah, I would say so. So then, someone like myself, who's on the opposite side of that spectrum, where it's like I'm very much on the logical side of things, and I perceive the world you know primarily through logic, and that's my first way of operating. We would view help in completely different terms. Right. So why do you think what can inspire me feels so limiting to you? Like when you hear something like, oh, you, know, you perceive it as a rule or uh, being told I'm, don't, I'm not free. This is what I'm supposed to do. Like that to you feels very um, restrictive and very, yeah. but, but that's the very thing to me. I'm like, oh, but I spent a lot of time studying out how life works and how things operate. And that to me is what's helpful. So what do you think about this disconnect there? Right. Well, that, I mean, that's a very subjective question in a sense of person by person, case by case, of how each person feels responsible or entitled to help someone else, right? Or like what deems that. Right. Who am I to say what's helpful for you, basically? Right. So I guess what you explained is, is very, you know, helpful for me. I am very creative, very emotion-based. I don't really like being told what to do. Mm-hmm. So when I'm limited, I feel very limited. I feel very contained. Whereas like someone like you, knowledge frees you. Is that That's what you're trying to say, right? I guess the way I would present my point, if I'm trying to argue for my side, right, which is like, oh, argue. That's not even how you would present things. But it's like if you, any parent raising a kid, if you truly let that kid experience a life with no limits, and you don't try to teach them not to touch a hot stove or this is it. Right, that you could, it feels like to me, why would you feel bad putting quotes unquote limits on this kid? It's like, no, they need to learn how life really works. And if you just leave them to their emotions, that's actually gonna set them up for failure. I I totally believe in that. You know, I'm not somebody who's like, there needs to be no rules or no limits ever you know like like especially in life um because i think i'm a strong believer in balance i think there's always a second side to everything and i think you can't have one thing without the other a lot of the time a lot of the time so i think balance is very important but i mean also like in art like and we're just talking about acting here mostly because that's where i have the most experience mm-hmm. but in all kinds of art like you really do need a balance you know you really do need to have both the creative side of allowing yourself to let go and allowing yourself to be present and be honest with yourself and your emotions Mm -hmm. but you also have to have that logical side of knowing okay you know for acting like 
I'm in front of 2,000 people right now. How do I make my voice loud enough? How do I use my words to articulate what I want to say? How do I get the story across from a logical standpoint, but also letting my emotions be present to give the story what it needs to make a difference? So there is like a logical standpoint of things because there is a skill to art. Mm Mm-hmm especially with hands-on art too, like visual art and photography and all this stuff. It, it really is a balance. Like, I think there is a way to have a logical artist, and I think there is a way to have only a creative artist, but I think true artists are aware of both the skill and the creative energies of their art. To me, it's just like, that's fascinating, like how... You know, how can two people perceive the same thing completely different? Like, where is that coming from? Why? Do, what speaks to, you know, from your, your lens, each character, why does each character view this, this thing called a limit or this thing called freedom completely, almost differently? And how do they get to understand each other? That difference comes from a lot of things, from how they were raised, from the societal limitations or, or you know, freedoms that they had growing up I think it has a lot to do with the way that they were taught to learn things by their Mm -hmm. parents and by school systems whether they were forced to be put in sports or the arts or whether their school had an arts program or didn't how many friends they had growing up like how how often they communicated with with people from other places with people of different ages how often their family traveled and they were forced to try new things. Like, I think it's all about like the development of the mind. And like, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I just think there's like different paths. Also, I think it's probably like a chemical thing. (laughs) I'm not like a scientist or anything. (laughs) Well, It's just baked into your personality. Like you're saying both your parents were statisticians, but what spoke to you are the arts. So it's like, it wasn't just because your upbringing you know, it's nature versus nurture, that whole... My great-grandma was a world-famous concert pianist, too. Yeah. Um, which is actually a really cool point, because if you bring up musicians, like, musicians are r- supposed to be really good mathematicians, you know? Like, you need mm. to be logical to be able to be a musician. Mm-hmm. But to be a really good musician, you also need a creative energy, and you, you need to know how to use your logical skill of playing an instrument to bring out a story or an emotion or the way you play it, a feeling and an, an energy, uh, an emotion, you know? Yeah. So it's, that's actually kind of a good analogy for that. I mean, thinking broadly, not to get into politics, but that's the easiest thing. It's like, it seems like there's very much a temptation to label like one side as cold and heartless and uncaring and then the other wants to say, oh, you're just being immature, self-obsessed, and nonsensical. It's like we take what we know of the world and how we process it. And then if someone operates on a different wavelength than us or they perceive things differently, it's very easy to wall off and say, what I value most is truth, logic, stability, and reason. Therefore, these other people who value understanding, empathy, feeling, expression... Let me view them through my lens of how I see things and pronounce a negative judgment on them for what they're trying to do to my world. They're trying to destroy stability. They're trying to take away, rather than recognizing, no, they're actually operating from a much different, from, you know, from much completely different things that I care about. That's what drives them. 
So I'm kind of looking to build this bridge of how do these two different worlds, and we all have those worlds in our brains, we all think, we all feel, how do we relate those or bring them together rather than just going to this place of negativity? I guess like the first step is to really understand that people don't see things the way that we do. Like that as for me, like I guess the first step would be for me to realize that you might not see things the same way that I do or you might not approach moral problems the same way that I do. So I guess the first step is being aware that everyone has their own code of of morals, their own code of values, to know that you're not shocked or surprised that someone else thinks differently than you. I think that's the first step. And I think the second step is really listening to what someone else has to say without judging it. I think so often nowadays people are really entitled to their own opinion and entitled to their knowledge and Mm. they're really afraid of having their truth be wrong. And I think it's really important to put that, that entitlement aside when you're trying to understand why people are so divided in so many parts of our country on so many different issues. Entitled, that's like a very strong word for you that you do not want to be that way. What's your definition of entitled and why why does that speak so strongly to you that this is not what you want for yourself? I think entitlement is just an unwillingness to learn. I think an entitled person is someone who who doesn't understand that there's a bigger world around them that that their spotlight of a life doesn't revolve around them all the time. And I think when people can step outside of themselves and put themselves in other people's shoes or can listen to other people's truths and other people's moral codes, not necessarily having to agree with them, but can listen Mm -hmm. and understand where they're coming from, I think that's when you can kind of beat entitlement. That concept of stepping outside of yourself, do you attribute that at all to what you learned in school? I mean, is that something that can be taught? I mean, I think I think it's something that people are naturally born with, but I also think it's something that can be taught. How? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it depends on the person. Like, for me, right, I'm super emotional. So, like, somebody would say, like, step outside of yourself to, to enter someone else's emotional patterns and that someone else is, like, feelings and their their life circumstances like why they act a certain way and why they do things a certain way that makes sense to me because I'm like oh yeah like this is how I would feel if that was my if those were my circumstances so it's, it's easy for me to put myself there but you can also look at it logically and be like okay like how does this person think based on their circumstances they did this because this happened to them because this happened to them it makes a lot more sense when you have a bigger picture of someone else's life. But like that's, that's how I would think logical minds would maybe step outside of themselves to analyze someone else's thought patterns. It's like it's easy within your realm of, you know, what you're, so if you're good at thinking, well, then you're very good at understanding how others think or how beliefs form or how that whole world operates. But it seems like the mm-hmm. big the big chasm to jump is, well, imagine someone doesn't even use their thoughts to determine how they live life what if they just follow their feelings around right but then there's a disconnect 
it's like, well, that's a completely different way of operating. And they may use words like, I believe this, or I think this, or this is my opinion. But it's like, well, really what it boils down to is how you feel. And that's the determining factor. And like you're saying, that comes from childhood or the mood at the day, or maybe it seems like those two spheres are very hard to cross over or to truly understand. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I think that, I think there is a disconnect in communication, but like I said earlier, I think the first step is for each individual to realize that the way that I see life and the way that I think about things and the way that I make decisions and the way that I perceive what happens to me is unique to me mm-hmm. and not everybody else follows that rule for themselves. Obviously, everybody has their own brain. From an acting standpoint, you can analyze that by looking at the play and seeing their patterns of behavior in the past and like what they normally choose to do and what other characters say about them and what they say about themselves and you can analyze those patterns and say okay well based on these patterns this person is led by the heart or this person is led with intuition or this person is led by logic and you can kind of see the behaviors that they lead with in a show and choose how you're going to portray them fascinating to me because that feels like a, such a hard um, realization to come to and then to also be able to present someone from a different li- walk of life who maybe is the you know opposite of you or different than you and then to try to actually do them justice I mean how does that process work for you how did you learn to step outside of yourself how did you learn to say I hold this value near and dear to me but I'm going to be willing to have it challenged or look at it I mean it's really hard <laughs> Um, it's really hard because I think people are afraid of having what they know and what their moral code is and their identity, kind of their truth. They're afraid of that being challenged. They're afraid of not knowing who they are at the end of a conversation that threatens their identity. So it's really hard and it's not easy at all. And I still struggle with it sometimes, but I think I I learned from a lot of different instances in my life. I moved to Switzerland at a young age with my family and I was introduced to worlds of different cultures and different people to help develop my brain in a sense of there's a big world out there and there are a lot of different things going on outside of myself. I think stepping inside of other characters and realizing like, oh, you know, I'm uncomfortable right now in this character. Why am I uncomfortable? And it's like, oh, because this person doesn't think the same way I do. And I can't play this character accurately if I'm going to stick to what I know instead of open myself up to thinking a different way or or seeing them in a different way. So it's just kind of like expanding the mind to see like, what if this were true? Like, what if it were true that there were a ton of other people out there who thought they were just as right as you. I love that process. Like you're saying, just like you struggled with the purpose of art. What is the purpose of being open-minded? Because I know some people that their purpose is to forever remain open-minded. Like that is their highest value in life. And it's like all there is is being open to something. Pronouncing, you know, that's why judgmental can be such a, and there is like an awful sense of judging. But it's not, you know, it's not judgmental to tell your kid don't touch the stove. It's actually very loving to say, well, a stove is hot and I don't just believe that because someone told me it or I heard this fable. It's like, I've actually touched a stove. I know it's hot. 
how do you balance this I need to be open to everything and allow everything to be challenged but then at the end of the day do you think that is the end goal or what 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 do you see that process doing or where does it go to if you're talking about art I think you have to be open-minded and I think you have to be willing to be wrong all the time mm-hmm. um, because if you're not then you're you're going to be a two-dimensional artist and your work is going to fall flat because it's not going to raise a lot of questions. You're not going to spark a lot of interest. Mm -hmm. So I think as an artist, yes, I think you have to be open-minded to be able to create anything for a series of time. In life, personally, the way I like to live is open-minded. I see where you're coming from, from like a logical standpoint of touching the stove, but like I just think there's no, like, black and white extreme in it. Like, I don't think that somebody has to be 100% open-minded. I mean, open-minded is different, but I don't think someone has to be 100% creative and 0% logical or 100% logical and 0% creative because that doesn't really get you anything. And I just don't think that's how the mind works. Absolutely, yeah, and that's not that's not the impression I was trying to give off. If I'm trying to say, like... Right, so like the two sides would be like in the business community or traditional thought, whatever you want to say, it's like you're saying. It's like they can, the negative view of that would be they're very threatened or they're very self-defensive and they don't understand and they're not open and they're not willing to explore. That's one extreme where it's like, yes, agreed. That's a negative thing to be from where you can't even talk about it. You just have to be like, well, it is and how dare. But on the other side, it's like it feels like there's some people more in the art world where it's like their goal is never to actually arrive at any understanding or any knowledge it's to forever be open to infinite possibilities and to ever draw any lines anywhere well that's not what i like basically how do you not fall into either trap and how do you balance that i balance it by personally by just checking in with myself every once in a while and saying being honest with myself and being like is this working for you (laughs) you know are you happy are you achieving what you want to be achieving if the answer is no then it's analyzing okay why why is this not working is it because of this route that you took or this route that you took or like should you try something else or should you go a different direction or is it the way you're marketing yourself or whatever so I think it's just like a lot of self-reflection personally for me on how to how to balance and how to like check those two sides okay and then your guiding compass that lets you know if you're doing what you want is you're very results driven so it's i want to achieve this result or experience this feeling that's how you navigate the questions essentially Mm. essentially i've tried to i've tried to find other ways to to feel like i'm in the right direction aside from results because it depends what your end goal is. Like my end goal, I think at the end of the day is to, to be happy and to help to heal. I've always thought that I was a healer, Mm. but at the same time, if I'm healing other people and I'm not healing myself, I don't think I'm successful. So I think it's that balance for me of, okay, how am I maintaining my personal happiness, but also sharing what I know how to help others like you can you can only give what you have how did modeling become something that you're like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna enter into this world and start trying to do something here yeah totally well it's it's kind of very funny because it's always been present in my life being stuck in the Minnie Mouse costume for like two days 
but yeah, just I always played dress up. I after watching Annie, I got on this massive elephant stuffed elephant that I used to own and like wrapped a boa around my neck <laughs> and like thought I was Miss Hannigan like in the <laughs> finale scene and all this stuff. So like I loved playing dress up like my whole life, but I started like really actively professionally modeling when I graduated from Syracuse and kind of realized I, I didn't really want to pursue music and dance at the time and was more interested in acting. And that's when I was like, oh, I, I think I want to be on TV and film. I think that's the direction I want to go right now in my career at my age, right mm-hmm. out of school. So I decided to brand myself on social media because a lot of people were telling me social media is really important for people to kind of look you up and kind of see a vibe of characters that you can play and who you are because when you walk into an audition room like and they're interested in you the first thing they're going to do is look you up online look Mm. you up on google look you up on instagram see if you have a website on youtube see if you have any clips of yourself they want to see more because when you walk into an audition you have maybe one minute to two minutes to do your side to sing your song you know whatever so they don't really know you Mm-hmm. They just kind of see a representation of what you've decided to present for a minute. So that's when they looked you up, and that's when I was like, oh, I need to kind of control that, and I need to share who I think that I am and who I think the roles that I'm going to play. I want to put that out for everyone to see. And that's when I started kind of styling my own shoot that kind of would represent characters or icons that I thought I resembled or that I thought that I could bring to life from like a TV film aspect. And I reached out to some friends and just had them take some lifestyle pictures of me that like kind of gave off my energy. And I started posting them on Instagram and I got a lot of like really good feedback from a lot of people in the acting world, but also from the modeling world. And I got a lot of photographers who wanted to work with me over the course of a couple months and then mm. I just ended up working a ton for lifestyle and commercial I ended up building up a really big portfolio and walking into a couple commercial agencies with a portfolio I essentially built free and booked and signed with some agencies freelance and then they started sending me out on auditions and then I started getting stuff from brands who were like we love your your sense of style and your sense of of energy and direction can you create content for us and that's when I really started realizing like oh I'm not only an actor or a model like stepping into these characters but I'm also kind of building a brand that I'm designing Mm -hmm. uh, a brand for myself and I'm actually kind of a stylist too because I'm styling everything that I wear to tell a story and I'm directing everything I do from a conceptual standpoint So I was like, I'm also a creative director. So I started doing a lot of creative directing for brands and styling for brands while modeling in it, (laughs) which kind of got me to where I am now. And so now I I book a lot of brand work and I I go on a lot of auditions for commercial and print castings and do a lot of campaigns and collaborations on the side, which is funny. It kind of took off in a whole other direction that I didn't think it would take off, but it it actually has helped me just as a person walking into a room. I I kind of know I have more confidence in who I am and what I have to offer and what my brand is and what my energy is. And would you say there's a crossover? So like all those skills you're talking about learning about portraying a character 
and understanding what's important to them and how they want to be perceived and how they represent themselves. That, that's all like art world. And it sounds like all you have to do is change it from character to brand. And all of a sudden you are fully in the business world. Exactly. And I think what's really interesting is I never knew that I could use all of my creative knowledge and my creative energy and have it be a hundred percent business, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. like it's, it's, it's kind of cool. I, that's how I direct my shoots is a hundred percent through characters of, of different parts of myself. I'm super moody. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings <laughs> and a lot of emotions and sometimes I feel a certain way more than like, sometimes I feel really angsty and I'm feeling like super connected to the alternative like 90s street girl and I'm like oh yeah like I'm gonna style that shoot this way or sometimes I'm feeling really empowered and I'm like you know what I'm gonna be like an empowered woman but I'm gonna be wearing all men's clothing because I want to like create that character of like a woman who who doesn't need what society tells her to be beautiful and then in turn that shares the story of look women like you don't need all these things that society tells you you need to, to be beautiful like you are beautiful you are a woman you know just mm. stuff like that 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 I like to to put characters on and kind of like live in those characters and share stories that hopefully in turn create messages to people to realize that they too can can make things and help other people that's fun and that's that seems like for a company, it ties into our discussion about the whole logical versus emotional. It's like, you know, the, the people doing the manufacturing or building a widget or building a product, they may be very good at making it, but knowing how to present those values to get other people excited about them. What's that experience been like of being able to create a message for somebody? Like, do you feel that selling out? Like, oh, you're going corporate? No, I, I, think, I think it really inspires me and and it like helps me find different parts of myself. You know, like if a brand comes to me, I just, I work a lot with a, a record label and they send me artists who they want me to make videos or posts that kind of embody the music mm. that the artists mm -hmm. are presenting to kind of help share their upcoming album release or their upcoming concert, stuff like that that's only one of the brands I work with, but they're great. And I recently got this one album that I have to kind of present more of like a rugged rock side of myself. And I was like, that hasn't been something that I've like totally dug into yet. And I was like, that's so cool. Like that's going to be so fun for me mm -hmm. because I get to explore a whole other character that I would have never gone to mm. had I not had this opportunity or this collaboration. So I feel like there's, parts of me that get to grow from a creative aspect too because I'm like I didn't know that I that I had this or that I could tell this story it kind of challenges you to go in directions that in the art world it's like the art world might view everything one way but now that you're kind of intersecting with the business world you're having to think of even different stories to tell that you may like in the art world I doubt they ever had a business case and like let's tell their story through song and dance <laughs> right like that. right <laughs> so, so this is really like stretching perhaps like you're saying is that I mean, maybe that rings true I don't know that's kind of how I'm, I'm thinking about it I guess yeah like I kind of like to think of myself as an open vessel a little bit like I like to stay true to myself and what I 
believe my moral code and, and my truth of what's right. Mm-hmm. I like to obviously hold that true at the end of the day. But if that lines up like everything else, I like to kind of be like blank canvas so that I can create something and, and find a discovery. It inspires me. It's really fun for me. That's awesome. That sounds fun. How would you encourage other people to step outside of themselves? On like a day-to-day basis, I'd say what I do to help me step outside of myself when I'm having a day where I just feel very self-oriented, I always, if I'm seeing a friend or if I'm at work or wherever I am, somebody I'm having a conversation with, I always ask them first, you know, how is your day? Like, how are you? Like, what's going on in your life? And I try to not talk about myself. And I try to just listen to see how this person that I'm talking with is doing and, like, what's what's going on in their life. And I think that's, like, one thing that I like to do to sit outside of myself is to really just step into someone else. Mm. Because you realize, like, oh, this person looks great and their hair's all done and they look like they've had a great day, but when reality, you know, their dad just died and they're really struggling to put their life back together. So the reason why they walked in and kind of snapped at you wasn't because of anything except for the fact that they're dealing with a tragic loss, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. you never know what people are going through. So I think that's kind of, like, the first thing that I like to do. And that kind of reminds me of a quote I read. It's like, if we could think of people as characters in a story, we could be so much more loving, like you're saying, where it's like, this is just a character in a story. Let me view them through this lens. And it sounds like as part of your training, that was that lens was kind of given to you as a tool you could view life through. And if you look at other people and you think like, okay, like they are the star of their world, mm-hmm. everybody is the star of their world, right? Everyone's the lead character of their mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And you have to realize, like, while this person might be, like, a featured role in my <laughs> in my life, like, they are the lead character of their life, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody, everybody is. So, like, we're not all, like, there's no, like, me and everyone else. It's just, like, everyone else is all equal. Like, everyone else is a lead character. So, it's, like, giving everybody the importance and the recognition of like, oh, yeah, like you are also a lead character, as am I a lead character, but like how are, how are we different? Right, so like in order to reach them, you're almost doing this like character analysis, trying to figure out what is the story they're telling themselves in their head. They may not even be aware of it, but they are building a narrative or they're crafting, you know, ways of seeing themselves or perceiving things that justify everything they do, or maybe they're actually right and I'm wrong and I'm just justifying what I do. So that's kind of how you... That's a, that's a useful tool to you know, approach life from a non-selfish standpoint. Totally. And I don't think it's necessarily, I mean, yeah, it's selfish, but I don't think it's like an intent to be selfish or an intent to not want to understand or let other people in. I think it's just kind of ha- what society has, has taught us by like labeling groups of people and kind of turning us away and making prejudgments before we ever really get to know an individual because we think we know everything there is to know. Mm. And so we stick to we stick to what we've already decided is true when in reality we have no experience with the actual truth in that circumstance. We're just kind of told and we make our own assumptions. And that's like a core human struggle, like you're saying, which it's it's interesting that we all take different roads to get to this place of stepping outside of ourselves and each person's journey may be different for how they learn that, but it's very cool to hear that for you, part of that journey was through your art experience. To be honest, like 
in art, the only way I was able to step out of myself, I'm, I'm very much in my head a lot of the time. I think a lot. I'm super analytical, actually, as much as I am creative. I overthink everything. I analyze everyone. I love figuring out people and, like, understanding things. The only way that I was able to step outside of myself in art was to be challenged and to be really uncomfortable. Mm. And the moment that I, the moments that I were really uncomfortable when I was working, when I was facing real issues within myself that I didn't want to think about or talk about, those were the moments that I was really stepping outside of myself and really questioning my core values and questioning who I was and what I believed in like was it actually real and I think that's but I think that's like a key concept it's so easy to turn a blind eye to that so how in the world do you ever sell somebody that this that this is actually worth doing if they're just going to approach it from a feeling standpoint from a logical standpoint just as easy as signing up for classes for a hobby to like try to do something that you've never done before mm-hmm. and kind of realizing like oh I'm uncomfortable because I don't know what to do, but all these other people around me do. And it's kind of this humbling mm-hmm. experience of like, wow, there's a big world out there. There's a lot of skills out there. There's a lot of things I don't know. I think for me, like I took a boxing class. When I first took a boxing class, I was terrified. It was really <laughs> intimidating. People were hitting things and I was like, I have no idea how to do any of this. <laughs> and at the end, I was really grateful that I did, but I was so uncomfortable. And I was, and I was like, "You can't run away from this. Like, just, just do this." And you kind of learn a lot about yourself and about of different opportunities that there are out there for different people just by making yourself uncomfortable and realize that you don't know everything. And what a beautiful journey to be on. You have to be very deliberate about it. I am purposely getting out of my comfort zone to try to learn and to grow. And of course, it's going to feel awkward. It's just very encouraging to hear like, okay, this is a journey that, you know, people from all walks of life are saying this is worth doing. And this is where it's painful, but this is where a lot of my greatest discoveries have come from. I'm a firm believer that you don't learn anything from being comfortable, really. The most growth happens when you're uncomfortable or you're failing or you're in pain or unhappy because you learn survival mode is like okay how do I get to a place where I want to be from this place like your intuition will take over and be like I don't like this this is uncomfortable how am I going to overcome this to make this work for me and I'm just saying like that's like one of the best ways to make art (laughs) (laughs) oh I see to step outside of yourself and to let go is by like willingly letting go and not being afraid of those those failures and those moments because in actuality those are the moments that are going to make you grow the most. Next episode we'll hear how the outdoors shaped Gianna and what we might learn from getting in touch with nature more.